Good morning, everyone. Thanks, Ken, for, where is Ken? He stole my example this morning. So you're gonna hear about doing fence twice. So there you go, just forewarning here. All right, a couple of announcements this morning. <clears throat> we will continue with Monday night, tomorrow night, uh, dinner at uh, six. Uh, family fellowship dinner, it's gonna be Sunday, July 16th uh, at uh, the Compton Homestead at 5.30. And uh, the Drillinger potato party, what did you want? You didn't call it potato party. You called it uh, potato, bar. potato bar. Okay, stuffed potato bar. So I'm going to be the one that stuffed. The potato bar will be there. Right, Liberty? Yes. Okay, so uh, that's coming up on July 22nd. What was the time? I don't have the little bulletin up here. Six or so. Six or so? Okay, great. Awesome. And then fifth Sunday, your eyes coming up, believe it or not, on the fifth Sunday of July. And what time is it starting? Six o'clock at Alvador. Christian Church. All right. I didn't see any birthdays on the list. Anybody got a birthday coming up this week? Or is this a free week? I thought July was crammed with birthdays. All right. I know there's a bunch coming up next week. So let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Our holy God in heaven, how thankful we are for the beauty of this day. Uh, Father, there was a couple really super hot days, but the last few days have been just beautiful and gorgeous. We're so deeply thankful for uh, this kind gift uh, and provision of temperate weather. Father, we also are deeply thankful for the rich blessing of being Christians. Father, we know that if we'll walk according to your will, if we will listen to your word and, and uh, take it to heart and have it change our heart, that we might walk in your ways as your son Jesus Christ did that our lives will be filled with the richest of blessings, the abundant life that Jesus spoke of. We would ask, dear Heavenly Father, that you would help us to understand it all begins really with a, a deep, abiding, reverential fear of your Son, Jesus Christ, the only true sovereign. And so, Father, I pray that you'll help us once again see that this morning and recognize that uh, the truly the, the lasting and eternal blessings in all relationships and really in all things comes from our humbling ourselves before you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, before we jump into our Bible, we got some great, great words of encouragement this morning. And so let's see, uh, Andrew, could you help me out here this morning? Jeff Drillinger, thank you for the insightful and motivating Bible class reminding us that as Christians, we are Christ's ones. We are leaders just by choosing a different path. You made many inspiring points that will stick with me this morning, provoking us to love, or provoking me to love and good deeds. Let's give it up for Jeff Drillinger. Now, I was really actually scared this morning, Jeff. You know, I, I had a long day and didn't have a good night's sleep, and I was thinking, man, if I nod off, I'll never hear the last of it. So I stayed awake, man. You saw it. You're watching me. I could tell. All right, here we go. Tamara, it is comforting knowing that you are uh, constantly praying for the body of Christ, including me. Thank you for uh, encouraging me and others through this ministry of prayer. Where's Tamara? Right back there. Okay. All right. 
And I think this young lady's probably the rock star this morning. I've seen several come through. All right. So this young man is in competition with her. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Angie, you so often, uh, oh, here we go. Angie, you so often greet uh, with good morning, sunshine, when indeed you are spreading sun, God's sunshine, all over. You have a sweet spirit. Let's go to for Angie. That's a good one. All right, Alan, the squadron of blue gene angels continues to grow. Thank you for helping me split up a cord of gnarly, naughty, end of butt tree firewood. It was a huge help. I am halfway to fulfilling my commitment of delivering two cords of wood. So let's give it up for this guy takes his day off. There's some pretty gigantic chunks of wood there, wasn't there? Man, all right. All right, Andrew Compton, thank you so much for playing the piano and carefully selecting the songs. You are deeply appreciated, brother. Andrew Compton, I appreciate your faithfulness to God. Thank you for sharing in your musical ability to bless us and honor our family. And also, too, he helped me dig two holes three feet deep. I don't know, about 20 inches wide. And we were talking about, it took us forever to do that by hand. Could you imagine doing that for a dead body? <laughs> Six feet deep and three feet wide. I mean, it would be there forever. I think those movies are false. They don't show the reality of digging a hole. Anyway, thank you for Andrew Compton. By the way, Andrew's the one that brought that up initially, and then we got the conversation going. So... <laughs> we had some modern tools to help as well it was still hard alright here we go Tanya Viegas thank you so much you and your guys saved me at least a month of work if not more and the smile on your face the whole day was priceless this was she was helping out on her little toy what's that thing called an excavator man she was tearing it up alright just stay out of the way because uh, uh, Tiny Vegas, it's so amazing to see you growing in Christ. Your joyful spirit shines brightly and inspires. Love you. There you go. Let's give it up for Tanya. Yeah, it was wild. You should have seen her yesterday. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 9 this morning, and uh, we got a lot of Blue Jean Angels around here, I'm thankful, and there's so many uh, behind the scenes doing so much in prayer and Bible study and encouragement, it's powerful. So thankful for this fellowship, this family, so encouraging, and I pray that I'll be encouraging this morning. I know last week was pretty rugged, um, but you know, when we live God, when we live our lives God's way, just the sweet blessings that come. It's amazing. So uh, in Proverbs chapter 9, I want to get a running start, kind of get a bigger picture of talking about the fear of God. Look at verse 7, beginning in verse 7. He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. He who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. 
Give instruction to a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied and your years of life uh, will, will be added to you. If you're wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. You know, that's a rather interesting statement. I don't want to go through all of that, but I want you to contemplate on that passage of Scripture. Have you ever noticed when you uh, address someone with the truth and they don't believe, they'll call you an idiot and they'll get all, you know, cranky. It's like, it's not even worth your time. Let them be that. Don't even get engaged in that. But what about someone who really is interested? Notice it says they're going to love you. They're going to appreciate you. They're going to grow wiser. And they're going to help you as they grow wiser as you work together. And then it says here, the verse 10 this morning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One, like we talked about last week and the week before, is understanding. So this morning I want to talk about first, there is a trilogy or a triune relationship between wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Do you really want the abundant life that Jesus Christ talks about? And the abundant life is not like having a lot of money and a lot of stuff. In fact, I have found that that oftentimes causes greater burden. You're worried about things getting stolen. You're worried about the new truck getting cracked. You know, you get a new paint job on your truck. No, no, it just got scratched. Ah, life is over. You know, things like that. You know, fear about people breaking into your house. I mean, the more stuff you have, the greater burden it seems like and the greater insurance you got to have, right? Yeah. Well, it's just true. And so it's important for us to realize that we're not talking about abundant life in that respect. We're talking about abundant life, like the richness of a marriage relationship, the richness of a family relationship, the richness of being respected and honored by people who are friends and loved ones and co-workers, being respected as a, a leader in, in whatever respect you're a leader. Those things are what are priceless. Things will rust and fall apart. But those things are priceless. But you know what's even more priceless than that? Is to walk in the wisdom of God and to be pleasing to him. And the things that go on inside of you, like it says in verse 12, if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And you can share it with others, but they have to embrace it and see it's true and live it. But really, you know, wisdom is really a blessing to you. Because when you do the right thing that pleases God, there is a sense of peace. There's a sense of contentment. There's a sense of confidence that you can't get anywhere else. You just can't. And until you choose to put Jesus Christ as your one and only sovereign and listen to his word, reading it, studying it, memorizing it, and then wisdom applying it, you'll never know that abundant life. You know, so oftentimes I, I see people so frustrated in life. They come to church expecting something to happen by coming to a building and listening to a few songs and, you know, a couple rituals and 
and and but it doesn't their life doesn't change. Why? Coming to this building isn't going to change you. Hearing God's word and choosing to be yielded to it is going to change you. Amen. That's what's going to change you. And and you all know this, and you've heard it before by many preachers. Is an hour a week, two hours a week, three hours a week of hanging out with good folks like us is still not enough. You need to build that relationship with God on your own. And so let's jump right into point number one this morning as we uh, begin this lesson. Union of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Well, this Proverbs uh, 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and conjunction, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. There are several other passages, by the way, that communicate the building nature of knowing, understanding, and having wisdom in regards to God's word. Turn with me really quickly to the book of Proverbs chapter 24. And this is one of several in the book of Proverbs in regards to the triune relationship between wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Take a look at chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. My son Jacob spent a month uh, working through this concept and he broke down each one and I, he did, I felt he did a good job. Notice verse three, by wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And so the, the, the house is built strong by wisdom, established, immovable, by understanding, and then it's filled with all the great details everywhere in the house. And so I want to have you to take a look once again at what wisdom is, what understanding is, and what knowledge is before we jump into our point number two. So really quickly, if you take a look there, it says, wisdom is what? Wisdom, according to both Hebrew and Greek, has to do with the application of knowledge in a correct way. Application of knowledge in a proper or correct way. The skillful application of knowledge and understanding. Well, think about that for just a minute. If you have wrong information and you understand how to use that wrong information, you're going to act upon that wrong information and the result is going to be rotten, especially in relationship to relationships. So you got to get the right knowledge first. That's the last couple of weeks we we're talking about that. Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. You want to know the absolute truth about whatever? You need to go back to the Word of God and examine it very carefully. You want to be a great manager, a great manager of people in whatever venue or whatever relationship, the Bible's chocked full of information about leadership. You have to dig and mine it out, but it's in there. You see, one of the core things about leadership is integrity. Integrity is one of the core pillars of leadership. Now to go back and work only on integrity will take you months. Knowing what integrity is but then looking at where to apply it, the specifics of the character qualities of integrity. Once you apply it and you know why you're applying it, you'll know if your leadership is growing. 
It's a pretty powerful tool, this thing, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So knowledge is a skillful application of knowledge and understanding. What's understanding? It's, it asks and answers the question, why? Why am I doing this? Now, it has to do with motives. It has to do with intentions. So if we're going to please God in regards to the fear of God as the beginning of wisdom, if we're going to please God, your motive needs to be pure. Can I get an amen on that one? Because if your motive is impure, you're not going to please God. And I guarantee in relationships, you'll fail in your relationships because you're not understanding the right thing to do for the right reason. So you need to have the understanding. Why? Why do you want to be humble? Why do you want to be humble? And by the way, humble is not with your head down going, my name, is, my name is Bill and I'm just humble and you can kick me around if you want. My middle name's Matt, like doormat. That's not humble. Jesus was the most humble man there is. And I'll tell you what, that man was no doormat. He walks into the middle of the temple and he runs those money changers out, doesn't he? The most humble man. So notice, humility isn't walking around with your head down, whispering, you know, like, you know, I'm just, no, it's not. It's being in subjection to right authority. And when you're in subjection to right authority, there's power there. Just quickly going back and understanding. Husbands, if you understand that you're to be humble under Christ, to, to, to lower yourself below Christ's example and leadership, you're going to be a great husband. Wives, if you will submit yourself to your husbands who are submitting themselves to Christ, do you recognize the amazing power and beauty of that relationship? My mom wore the pants in our family. What does that mean? That's an American term. I have at least one Belarusian watching me this morning. That means that the woman takes charge and authority over the man and basically tells him how it is, what to do, where to go, when he can and cannot do whatever. I knew one young man, sadly, he married a young woman, both in the church, and basically she wore the pants. She told him what doctor he could go to. She told him that he had to eat her diet, which included popcorn, which he hated. It was like horrible. Can you imagine how well that marriage went? It didn't go very well. So it's important for us to understand that we need to have the right understanding and motive for what we do. Now, finally, knowledge. What basic facts and information are true that can be applied to any relationship, any situation? You know, the Bible has information on every single facet of life. Did you know the best form of civil government is described in the Bible? Did you know our founding fathers searched history on those nations, those empires that lasted and then fell? And they searched the scriptures to find what God said about it. And so we have a very rare, unusual, unique type of form of government if we can keep it. We have experienced freedom like no other nation. 
Did you know in China, they do what this thing called social credits and they have basically, they can take your face recognition and when you're doing something that they do not deem appropriate, they will in fact lower your social credits, which means you have less standing in the community, you have less pay. It's absolutely total dictatorship. And yet everybody's going, I heard a radio advertisement. Oh, the little kids in China are being taught how to manage their money. We're behind China. I'll tell you what, I don't want to be like China. A dear brother in Christ was thrown in prison for a while in Belarus. It's called a re-education center. When people come out of those re-education centers, they don't talk about anything of great value unless it's in private. Understandably so. Because of what they do to you in those re-education centers. We don't have anything like that in the United States. Why? Because our founding fathers built this society on biblical principle. And it still remains today. But have you noticed? They're trying to take away the foundation. They're destroying the foundation little by little by little, aren't they? Those who can't stand a God-centered, God-created type of civil government. You see, we need to understand everything we need for life and godliness is found in the scriptures. Knowledge used with the right why, the right motive, skillfully is going to bring huge blessings. Now, I want to start this uh, a series of lessons on the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So, again, wisdom is the skillful application of knowledge and understanding. Knowledge of God's will, understanding and when to apply it, and then to do it skillfully. Now look at point number two. Wisdom, true wisdom, is not worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom is div divisive. Worldly wisdom is demonic. Worldly wisdom is destructive. But the wisdom from God brings people together, builds people up. Go to the book of James in chapter 3. James chapter 3. And I'm going to go rather quickly because there's, there's a lot of little character qualities. And I'm just going to give you a really quick, concentrated uh, statement about each one of these. Oh, this is a familiar passage, but it really does have everything to do with fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So James in chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. By the way, do we remember what the fear of the Lord is? This fear of the Lord here in Proverbs and chapter 9 is actually a reverential fear, a fear that manifests itself in honoring and a devotion to a sovereign. Now we know there is only one true sovereign, Jesus Christ. So are you respectful in every way? Are you honoring him in every word and deed? And are you devoted to him and to his word and applying it skillfully to be a blessing and to be pleasing to him? That's the question. So now we can take a look at what this, this passage is talking about. Wisdom from above, it says, 
Who among you is wise and understanding? I love that question. I love it when God asks a question. Do you ever look for the answer? There's an answer here. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior the deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. It's true. The worldly wisdom is destructive. It's, it's horrific in regards to every part of the human experience. Read on. Verse 15. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. You know what, you know what worldly wisdom is? It's selfishness. You find information and understand how you can use it to ratchet the most out of people and out of things for your own selfish pleasure. That's basically the nature of man. And if we're not careful, we can get sucked right into that pretty easily. So in this worldly wisdom, bitter passion and selfishness in your heart drives evil and hurtful behavior and the destruction of every relationship. But notice the question, who is wise and understanding? Who is skilled in action governed by godliness and integrity? Who is this wise and understanding person? They're the one who's skilled in action governed by godliness and integrity. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in the word. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. So if you'll take that knowledge and you'll apply it as a man or woman of integrity and virtue, the blessings are going to come. The blessings are going to pour out. And we're going to talk about the blessings of wisdom next week. Notice the word good there. Good is the word kalos, which means to do what is honorable and, and beneficial for another. So let's read it this way. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his honorable, thoughtful, and concerned behavior to benefit the other person. If you're a son of a, uh, of a mom and dad, your behavior should be good. What's that? Kalos, honorable, being a blessing, bringing a benefit to the family. That's what good behavior looks like. If you're a husband or a wife, as a husband, you will lower yourself before your king, Jesus, and you'll follow in his example. You see, it, it, it always fits that good behavior. Wisdom from above is good behavior, kalos behavior, honorable, submissive, and benefiting others in his deeds and in gentleness of wisdom. I looked up that word gentle. It means the power to humble oneself to God first and then to the needs of others. Think about that for just a minute. That's, that is across the board. Wisdom is one who is willing to humble themselves before God's authority by fulfilling the needs of others. Remember what Jesus said at the last day? You know how you're going to be judged? 
I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, I had a need and you gave me something to drink. I was uh, in prison and you visited me. I, I Notice, people saw a need and what did they do? King Jesus has called me to go and minister to that need. Amen. There is the gentleness of wisdom. It's not about me, it's about others. So take a look at the, the, the next, the last section, the character of wisdom. And I don't know if you can write really quick, but I'm going to go really quick. Here we go, because I have a point at the very end in, in conclusion. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure. The word pure means undefiled or contaminated by worldliness. Did you catch that? Worldliness is living for self. It's all about me. You need to cater to me. You know, there's a problem here. You're thinking, well, wait a minute. And I've thought this before too. Why do I want to lay myself down when someone's going to use me and abuse me? Well, why would you? Have you heard of boundaries before? Boundaries? How many know what boundaries are? Fool me once, shame on you. You better learn a boundary. Fool me twice, shame on me. If someone's exploitive in the context of the body of Christ or exploitive in your workplace or exploitive, you need to be very careful and not be exploited. Jesus was never exploited. He knew exactly what he was doing and why he was doing it. Some people he worked with, others he did not. Why? He knew who was going to, what, embrace the wisdom that he had to share, but he also knew the scoffers, didn't he? And the scoffers he refused to invest in. You need to recognize that. That's what that whole Proverbs chapter 9 and those, those verses we're talking about. Now, the next one is peaceable. Seeking to live in harmony. Instead of stating, this is, this is how it is, why not listen and see if there is something in what the other person is saying that you could, in fact, agree with? Now, there's some things that there's absolutely, you can't agree with them. But that doesn't mean you can't still care about them and love them. How many go, well, that's in, I could just can't, I won't, that person will never be in my life. Well, guess what? You just blew the opportunity to share Christ with them. You need to not embrace what they're doing, but you need to be deeply concerned for them as a beautiful human soul that God has created infinite. So seek to what? Live in harmony. By the way, how many of you realize that every human being is different than you are? Every single one. And you can choose to find harmony because what is harmony? Different individuals coming together and making a beautiful sound, a beautiful noise, a beautiful life. My wife and I are very different in so many different ways. We finally figured a couple things out. And marriage is fun now. Okay? Right? Yeah. Okay, so gentle. The word gentle here is to humble or subject self to others' needs. Huh. It's a strong, it's a power position. You are choosing to humble or subject yourself to others' needs. Reasonable, willing to yield. Or easily persuaded, 
That's because you're looking at what you can agree with and work with in a relationship. Mercy, to see and help provide for needs. Mercy is also uh, translated compassion. Good fruits, to do that which is beneficial to another. The word good there, to do that which is beneficial to another. Unwavering, to be impartial without disputing. Do you Are you nice to some people and you're not nice to others? That's partiality, isn't it? We can't be partial. Without hypocrisy, unfeigned, genuine, sincere. You know what hypocrisy is? Hypocrisy is, is faking who you are to get an advantage over somebody. Basically, that's what hypocrisy is all about. You can't be that way and be what? Honoring God. Wisdom then has to do with seeking the Lord's will first and being in subjection to his will. And what is the Lord's will? What is it in a nutshell? The Lord's will is not your will. The Lord's will is that all be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. What can you do to develop the relationship that you might draw others to the Lord Jesus. I used to be a, a debater. And I look at both sides of the issue. You have, by, to be a debater, you had to look at all of the pros and all of the cons. And so, depending on what your opponent was, you had all the information. We didn't have computers back then. We had debate boxes. And we had a box that was divided into two groups, the pros and the con, the arguments. And they were all documented and they were all alphabetized based upon specific points. And so the person who did the most research was the one that usually won if they could present it correctly. You know what? You can win a debate with someone about the Lord, but you drive them off because you crushed them. I used to be a debater. My wife can tell you. I won a lot of Bible studies, baptized a lot of people, and as soon as they were out of sight or out of my sight, they were gone. Did I win them to Christ? No, I won an argument. They followed through, but was their heart devoted to Christ Jesus? What's the answer? No. See, so, so wisdom is the power to humble oneself before God's will, by looking to the needs of others and serving them, whoever those others are. In the last few moments, I would like you to consider the Good Samaritan. If you go back and read that, I want you to ask yourself, who is the Good Samaritan in that passage? That's an illustration. Who's the Good Samaritan in that passage? What's his name? You know his name. Who's the Good Samaritan? Jesus Christ is the Good Samaritan. Are you not a Christian? Are you not a Good Samaritan? Remember what that Good Samaritan did for someone who was his enemy from a cultural standpoint? He saved that guy. Brethren, we need to go back and look at that once again. That is true wisdom there 
The Good Samaritan is an example of what true wisdom is. How many people in your life are in a spiritual ditch? Half dead because they're physically alive and spiritually dead and Satan's waiting for the day they die because then he'll have them forever. How many family members, how many friends, how many co-workers need to see the wisdom of God in you? Need to see the good Samaritan, that man of great wisdom, yielded to the will of God, healing everyone he saw so that they were no longer half dead, they were fully alive. If someone's not in Christ, they're half dead. Physically alive, spiritually dead. And who is the solution? Jesus Christ is. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in the true knowledge of Christ. Take that knowledge and understand how to apply it and skillfully apply it to draw people unto Christ Jesus. Not you. That's selfish wisdom. Draw them unto Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we are deeply thankful for understanding what true wisdom is. I pray, Father, next week as we look at the blessings of wisdom, the wisdom from above, we'd realize that we need to go back and we need to study more carefully to get the correct information about your son, Jesus Christ, and the reason why he did what he did so that we can apply that to our lives and our relationships, drawing more people under your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. All right, let's stand up and get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? Okay, let's try that again. What did Jesus say to do? He said to? Go! Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, let's go get her done. <laughs>